Greetings, everybody, and welcome to hopefully what will be the first episode of the brand new Pro Project Red podcast brought to you, of course, by Red Light Rising. This is Brian. He uh, is James Strong, the CEO and co-founder and my friend. So hello, James. How are you doing, brother? Hi everyone, Brian as well. It's great to be here and really excited about some of the topics we're going to cover through our podcasts. Awesome. Um, I guess I should say, just start by saying that James and I are not in fact in the same country. Um, James is living in the UK with his wife and family, his, his brand new little baby girl. And I am in Guatemala, which is uh, a bit strange, I know, when, when I tell people first. Uh, I'm in Guatemala, and I'm sure we will get to that at some point uh, in the future. But uh, this is, of course, our first episode of the Project Red podcast. This is not going to be a podcast just about red light therapy. Um, of course, we will get into red light therapy um, in future podcasts, with future guests. We're going to talk all about the different aspects and uses of red light therapy um, but this podcast is also going to be about health performance and recovery um, you know we're, we're going to do our best not to get crazy scientific because I guess one of the goals of this podcast is to um, uh, just bring some cutting-edge health and wellness information to as many people as possible and I know that there's a lot of people that um, they want the deep, deep science on uh, health and wellness and performance and recovery. But, uh, you know, there's also a lot of people that don't need that, that don't want it. They just want to learn about what they can do today, right now, to feel a little bit better. Um, it, does that make sense to you, James? Is, is there anything I've left out right there? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the main thing I'm excited about is getting some of the people who are you know, leaders in their industry in performance, recovery, and health, and listening to their strategies about how they get their athletes to perform to, to their top potential day in, day out. And we're going to try and get as many practical tips as possible so that our listeners can also learn and try and implement some of these strategies as well. Exactly. You absolutely hit the nail on the head right there. Like, um, you know, I know we're going to get into it, but both you and I are. are you know, you may be more of an athlete than I, than I was, but I know we both take our health and performance and recovery very, very seriously. And like you said there, um, you know, we've, we've been lucky enough to, to start bumping into some really, really high-performance professionals, whether it's the strength and conditioning coaches from the pro teams or the, the doctors and the functional medicine uh, practitioners and, and the other biohackers and the other, you know, company CEOs. and one thing I actually feel really grateful for about, you know, starting Red Light Rising with you is that it's, it's kind of put me in the path of all these incredible people. And, you know, like you say, I've been learning from them and, and um, implementing these various practices into my life. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my health and my wellness and, and my sense of, of health is, is pretty much... I don't know, five times, 10 times more healthier than I've felt in the last, you know, two years. So it's, it's really fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think for anyone that follows our Instagram feeds, I think probably you look more of an athlete than I do at the moment, without a doubt. And um, you're so true that creating Valor Rising is, is open so many doors to not only meet these individuals who are also, you know, forging ahead with technological advancements in the health and wellness space, we're just brushing shoulders with so many people with such a deep knowledge of health, wellness, and performance. And it's just been an incredible journey to learn and just to, you know, to use that knowledge myself in my own training. Exactly. hundred percent, you know, and you know, it's, it's exciting that, you know, with, with us being able to make this little connection between these other healthcare professionals and these professional athletes, a lot of the stuff they do, it's like, it's very, very easy it's not complex. It's, you know, not all of it costs money, not all of it's expensive. Um, and it's, it's very simple things that uh, most people can, can uh, adopt into their lives and their lifestyles. Um, Absolutely. And I think some of our guests in the future are going to be in this space as well, but that comes back to mindset as well. And one of the things I've learned is that consistency 
and having the right mental attitude is paramount in achieving whatever goal you set yourself. 100% agree. And it's, it's funny you bring that up because, uh, you know, something I've struggled with in the past, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. I look at my, my day-to-day lifestyle now, and I know I'm in, a, I'm in a different situation to most people, you know, like just like yourself, for example. You've got a wife and a, and a brand new baby girl, you know, so you're on, you're on new dad duties, you know, 150% of the time. Whereas I'm, I'm almost the opposite. I'm single. I've got no family. I've, I've got no house. I own no property. So, you know, I have, I have quite a lot of time to, to kind of dedicate to my, um, my health practices. And, and I know not everybody can do this, but whatever you try to start, whatever new little practice you try to get into your life, it starts in your mind. You know, you have to, in my opinion, you have to first understand what you're doing and why you're doing it understand the benefits that it's going to potentially bring you. And then you have to, you know, as, as one of my mentors says, decide to decide, decide that you're deciding to make the decision to commit to this new health practice or this new, whatever it is. Um, and like you say, it's, it's, it's about that mindset. You know, you have to you almost have to brainwash yourself that you are going to do this thing no matter what. Um, and, and a fantastic reminder for that and, and a very useful tool while we're on the subject is a book that I've just finished reading called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Now, um, you know about David Goggins, don't you, James? Absolutely. Yeah. Complete legend. So when I, when I first heard this guy speaking, I heard him speaking on uh, the Joe Rogan experience, who's another hero of mine. Um, he's like... He's very, very rough. He swears a lot and he's like, no bullshit. He like just tells the truth like it is, harsh facts. And it, it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, man, like I respect this guy, like what he's achieved, but his attitude for me just, just wasn't grinding with me, you know? But then I read the book and I was like, oh my God, this guy is a savage. You know, what he went through to get to where he is now, I mean, you know, his, his peak, he's only coming into his peak by his own, you know, his own opinion, but he's an absolute savage when it comes to mindset. You know, he, he, he learned how to control his mind with certain aspects and to stop himself from saying, I can't do this. I'm too weak. That's impossible. It won't work for me. And, you know, if anybody out there is looking for a, a big kick up the ass uh, in terms of mindset, I highly recommend uh, David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me. It's absolutely spectacular. And if you haven't read it, James, I really, really recommend it. I'll definitely check it out. <clears throat> There's actually a show on TV at the moment called SAS Who Dares Wins. And they put through just average people through the SAS training protocol to get into the SAS program. And it's a very intensive version of their training protocols. But again, it's all around mindset, pushing your body to its limits and beyond. And how do you cope in that situation of stress? And is your mind strong enough just to say, yeah, I can, I can go another step. I can keep going forwards. But, you know, mindset is, is a massive protocol in that. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, that, that's a great point. Uh, we're going to uh, definitely get some experts on the podcast at some point just to talk about mindset, um, you know, talk about the, maybe the ways that we can spot uh, our negative mindset patterns, because that's something that I've noticed in my you know, limited experience on the subject is that, you know, I think the first step is realizing, man, I, I talk a lot of trash about myself, you know, not, not to mention other people, but you know, my mindset, even now, you know, I'm like, I'm in much better condition than I've ever been. And when I listen to David Goggins talk about ultra marathons or running hundred mile races, I'm, I, I'm like, Nope, I can't do that. No ways. You know, so that's a, that's a small example of, of how our own minds can, you know, set us behind the target in the first few seconds of, of seeing something new, you know? Absolutely. And I think, you know, just because you haven't physically experienced something yet, your mind automatically says that it's going to be a challenge. But, but again, just that opening your mind up when you start implementing these strategies, start experiencing some you know, physical boundaries, you actually realize you're a lot more capable than you ever dreamed. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, that's David Goggins talks about it. And, you know, I know countless, countless people talk about it is, um, 
the you know running the one minute mile at the sub the sub five what was it five minutes sub five minute mile that's right yeah yeah roger bannister you know just before he did that everybody told him impossible can't do it scientifically impossible humans are not able to run um a sub five minute mile and then of course he did it and then within within a few weeks of roger bannister breaking the five minute mile countless other runners started to do it and why did they start uh, breaking that five minute barrier because they suddenly realized in their minds that it was possible because someone else has done it and therefore they could do it you know so that's um another interesting little notes about mindset there but something i want to just kind of bring up on this first episode as well is um the term biohacking so a lot of our listeners and you know a lot of our community uh, will be familiar with biohacking but it's it's also got a bit of a bad rap it's getting a bit of a bad rap now people are moving away from the term biohacking it's you know, I still like it. I still use it. I think it's a, it's a great word, but I thought we should just take a few minutes just to define what biohacking is um, for the people that don't know. And, and just to clear things up, because you know, I know there's a, there's a school of biohackers or a, a community of biohackers you know, coming out of Russia and Eastern Europe. Um, and they use the word biohacking as well, but that's more about like, you know, like implanting microchips into your skin and, you know, so you can go to an ATM without having your bank card and it, you know, it keeps all your money on this little microchip or it serves as a, like an identity when you go into your office block, which, which freaks people out. You know, when, when, if someone, someone has that definition of biohacking, they might be turned off red light therapy because they think, whoa, red light therapy is a biohack and biohacking is putting microchips under your skin. Um, but that's not how we talk about it in our community. Um, when they mention biohacking, it's not what we're referring to. So I'm going to, I'm going to just give my, my little definition of biohacking. And then I know James has his own definition of biohacking, um, that he'll, that he'll share with us too. So my definition of biohacking is it's health practices and health protocols that in my opinion are on the real cutting edge of health and wellness so you know wellness is a very trendy term right now and you know if you were to go and like google wellness or, or hashtag wellness you're going to see green smoothies coming up you're going to see yoga coming up you're going to see you know um, fitness fashion coming up um, you maybe see some trendy new gym or some trendy new um, cycle um, workout coming up i feel like i'm going to sneeze so if i suddenly stop talking it's just because i've sneezed i'm sorry um, but anyway, so my definition of biohacking is the real cutting edge of wellness. So it goes way past green smoothies and yoga, which, you know, yoga is fantastic. Green smoothies can be good for a lot of people. But when I'm talking about biohacking, I'm talking about fasting, refraining from food, cold therapy, um, heat therapy, getting the right light exposure at the right time, uh, blocking certain kinds of light at the right time. And all these practices, um, while on the, on the basic surface and, and to the newbie to biohacking, they seem very extreme and very uncomfortable. And, and some of them are. But what they do is they, they force your body into certain states of um, you know, protection or repair and recovery so that after the biohack is over, like the, the fast or the cold therapy, your body bounces back a little bit stronger than before a little bit more resilient than before in preparation to prepare uh, for the next time you're cold or the next time you're hot or the next time you're without food. Um, and this is, you know, all of these things umbrellaed uh, are termed biohacks. So that's my definition. Uh, I wonder if you'd like to share uh, yours with us, James. I think there's probably quite a lot of overlap with our definitions there, but the reason I, I, I got into the biohacking space probably about three or four years ago and I think it took me so long to get into it because the term for me, I just don't connect with it. And even now when I'm speaking to people and they call me a biohacker just because I take a certain supplement or I use light therapy, I do cringe a little bit. I'm really glad to see us moving away from the, the term a little bit with the, the new health optimization summit that's coming out. And again, we're trying to rebrand into what you kind of define that as around optimizing your health. Um, for me though, the term is around creating a natural environment in an, a natural world um, in, in order to help you to perform at your full potential. 
um, the modern world we've created is, is a world of opportunity with travel, communication, digital access, but unfortunately it means we've departed from our core biological needs. And this means we've disrupted our cellular functioning and our circadian rhythms. And with that, it means that we're, we're basically going to be sleeping you know, more poorly. We're not going to have the energy we used to have. And also it's going to deteriorate our health with con you know, continual degeneration of our cellular functioning. So I think using biohacking approach, you can use very simple protocols that you've touched on, whether it's morning sun exposure and grounding or cold therapy or some sort of technology to support your biology, things like relapse therapy, we can enhance our body's natural need for this environment and therefore enhance cellular energy to ensure that we stay fit and healthy and performing to our full potential. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. You touched on so many great points there. And uh, you touched on one point, you said um, you're sending, you said creating a natural environment in an unnatural environment. And that's a very, very important thing, um, I think, for people to understand when they're getting into biohacking, when they're getting into health optimization, when, actually, when they're just trying to be healthier. You know, being healthy these days is way more than eating your, you know, your certain portions of vegetables a day or drinking eight glasses of water a day. It's way more than that. And thanks to science and some very, very uh, intelligent people out there that are, that are reminding us of these practices, you know, um, everything that we've described, like the hot, the cold, uh, the sun exposure, the circadian rhythm, uh, reducing, you know, blue light at night, which we'll, we'll definitely get into on a, on, a, on, a, on a future podcast. All these things are actually, you're trying to mimic your natural environment. Because, you know, it's very easy. A great example is, you know, with these bright LEDs that we're all lighting up our homes with now or street lights or street signs. This is a, a massive amount of unnatural light that our bodies are not used to. I think people really need to appreciate the fact that biologically, our bodies are the same as they've been for about 2 million years. And 2 million years ago, we definitely didn't have, uh, you know, LED lights and electricity and and all these modern comforts and all these modern toxins um, that are that we're kind of surrounding ourselves with these days. You know, like the computers, the blue light, um, you know, the, the processed food, uh, the, all these processed drinks and the, the massive amounts of sugar found in all of our food. So you, you made a great point there. We're trying to get back to a natural state of being. And, you know, because of, you know, modern lifestyle requirements, you know, the amount that we have to work to pay our bills, um, all the luxuries that we have, the Wi-Fi, the flat screen TVs, the, you know, all those kind of things. We've just been taken away from our natural environment, which, you know, is not necessarily a bad thing. We, we're lucky to live in, a, in the time that we do. And, you know, it's just these, these biohacks are just small things we can do just to mimic a natural environment. If our bodies feel like they're, they're in their natural environment, they tend to work better. So, you know, that's, that's one of the aims of this podcast is to just drop these small little seeds of knowledge um, for everyone just so they can, you know, hopefully feel better on a day-to-day -day basis and, and see an increase in health. So, you made so many good points there, I think, Brian. And one thing I like to pull out of it is just the, the, the importance of light. And it's something that I didn't understand until very recently but again, you know, as you mentioned, these white LEDs, it's literally like a junk food diet for your body. It's completely disrupting cellular energy. And again, I, I, I did not understand the importance of like the quality of light you have around you. I look back at my younger self and the environment I'd surround myself in, and it explains a lot of the sleep problems I had, the energy problems, the focus problems. And again, it's you know departing from that natural environment and putting yourself into this blue lit I would say toxic world, you know, it's so important to understand the impact that has on you and how to mitigate it. And as you mentioned, you know, we're going to touch on, you know, protocols that we do ourselves to make sure that we can live in this modern world, take advantage of all these amazing opportunities, but at the same time, then, you know, make sure it doesn't compromise our health and we're still able to perform and get deep sleep and recover and optimize ourselves to, to the max. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's, you know, these, these, these seemingly inconsequential practices like, like blue blocking, for example, like you just touched on there. Um, I've been blue blocking for, you know, a year now. 
and you know with with the help of the aura ring i'm trapping tracking my sleep and it's it's spectacular the difference it makes when the sun goes down and you you do what you can to stop blue or white light from entering your eyes you know with the use of uh, blue blocking glasses it's spectacular the difference it makes my deep sleep went from you know like sometimes three minutes a night 10 minutes a night to I'm, I'm like touching on two hours a night of deep sleep now you know it's not only because of the blue blocking and we'll get into all the other things that i do as well but the simple act of putting on a pair of glasses when the sun is going down um you know i know a lot of us myself included i have to work on the computer at night um you know sometimes i'm on the computer until 8 39 p.m at night i have to do it for work um, but I'm, I have a blue blocker on my computer and I have blue blockers on my face. And the difference is absolutely spectacular. For what? For putting a pair of glasses on my face. As far as I'm concerned, that's an easy, easy trade-off. Totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. An easy win. Um, trying to find a stylish pair of blue blockers is, is more challenging. But again, it's, uh, yeah. you know, you generally wear them at home in the evening, just one or two hours before bed. You know, you can still look at your phone if you want, then you can still watch TV, carry on with your day and your, your evening routine as normal. But by just having these, you know, a pair of glasses on your face, the impact is massive. And, and amazingly, my sleep stats are very similar to yours in that I was getting, I think when I started tracking again with the aura ring, I was getting, you know, five, 10 minutes deep sleep, whereas now I'm getting, you know, over an hour consistently. And, and I think it's that, it's that consistency that's so important to ensure you're able to perform at your max and recover. You know, if you want to push your body and work out hard, you need to be getting that deep sleep. And so that's, you know, that's where these protocols are so important that you're implementing it day in, day out, allowing your body to recover, regenerate. So you're bouncing back, you know, quicker than ever to perform. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, you know, the blue blocking is just one thing we're going to be touching on in, in future episodes. But, uh, I mean, if it's okay with you, I wanted, to, I wanted to kind of use this episode just to kind of introduce ourselves, um, you know, what, what we're into, what, you know, our past and um, how we met. And I guess a little bit about how we, you know, got Red Light Rising going and, and ideas behind it initially and, and where we want to take the business. Um, and then towards the end, I think we're going <laughs> to have a little chat just, you know, amongst ourselves and, and put it out to the audience out there, put it out to the community, what kind of things they would like to see in this podcast, like as a standard thing moving forward. So I'm going to uh, go into a little rant right now about who I am and, and where I come from. And then um, I'm going to give the, give the mic over to James and, and he'll let us know a little bit about his past and, and then uh, we'll see where we go from there. So, um, my name is Brian Gall, and I know a lot of people listening uh, probably are familiar with me already. Um, I'm South African. I was living in the UK for on and off about 16, 17 years. I arrived in the UK when I was very young. And I've kind of been into you know, health and wellness for a very, very long time. Um, since I was you know, a, a teenager, in my early teens, I, I started taking a real interest in, in working out and muscles. I'm, I'm particularly um, addicted to a muscular physique for some reason. I think it's in my genes. Um, but I've always been into working out and all that, but just kind of had you know, really average results throughout my late teens, my early 20s. Um, now I know I had those average results because I was eating a standard Western diet the whole time. And, you know, I knew nothing about cold showers or saunas or fasting or the high fat diet. And I just, you know, I was kind of chubby the whole time. And, you know, I, I did put on some muscle mass, but of course the, the fat was, was building as well on my body because of, of my diet and my lifestyle. And, you know, in my early twenties, I worked in a cocktail bar and a nightclub. So I was, I was up until, you know, three, four, five a.m. very, very often. Uh, so that didn't help. And then, at, you know, in my mid-early twenties, I discovered vegetarianism. I, you know, I injured my back actually at at some point in two thousand and three. I injured my back really badly, and it just stopped all physical activity. It was horrendous. Um, and, you know, eventually, I started to you know being able to to take some light movement again and. Then I got into a yoga practice in about 2006 and started practicing yoga. 
um, pretty much nonstop since then. Uh, and it really, really helped my back. And something that happens a lot in the yoga community, I think, in my opinion and experience, is that people practice yoga for a, you know, a few months or a couple of years, and you know, they inevitably meet some vegetarians or some vegans. And then they, you know, then, then diet becomes something that, you know, we turn our attention to, which I think is great. And many, many people, myself included, we kind of turn to vegetarianism initially for me because I um, uh, heard about the, the really, you know, ill practices of the meat industry in the UK uh, and that got me onto vegetarianism. And then I was kind of um, indoctrinating myself with all the vegetarianism propaganda at the time. And I really truly believed it was the best diet for me and the best diet for humans at the time. But I got very, very sick um, without really realizing that it was my diet. You know, I had a lot of joint pain. I had serious digestive issues. Um, and that went on for about seven or eight years. You know, I was vegetarian for about seven years and I was sick the entire time. My health just got worse and worse and worse. Like you wouldn't know it if you saw me. I was still functioning, of course, but I just had joint pain all the time. I constantly had knee straps, wrist straps, elbow straps, back straps. I was just, you know, if I, if I walked down the step a little bit too excitedly, I would, I'd roll my ankle, you know, and this is my mid twenties and my body is deteriorating in front of my eyes. Um, and then I kind of, you know, through, I guess I just, for, for whatever reason, just kept an open mind, kept an open mind and, and eventually stumbled on the, the low carb, high fat diet, which we will get to in a, in a future podcast as well. But I changed my diet radically from vegetarianism uh, onto a high fat, low carb diet and started seeing improvements pretty rapidly um, after about a year of being on this low carb diet, I discovered or heard about the carnivore diet. Um, and then after doing a bunch of research on that, I decided that I would give it a try. And, and I went strict carnivore about two years ago, which is just beef, salt, water, and black coffee. And I know it sounds crazy to those that aren't familiar with it right now, but, um, I got onto the carnivore diet for strictly for about eight months. And then after that eight months, I started, uh, you know, eating an avocado here and there and having a tiny bit of fruit here and there. And now I am back to 99.999% perfect health. <coughs> There's that sneeze that I've been waiting for. <laughs> Excuse me, everybody. I hope that didn't uh, burst any eardrums. But um, yeah, so this is where I am right now. I'm on a keto carnivore diet, doing a whole bunch of biohacks, taking almost no supplements, drinking a lot of water, and my health is absolutely spectacular. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the keto carnivore diet. Um, I'm back to working out. I'm back to lifting weights. I'm doing a lot of functional workouts. I'm doing a lot of hiking, a lot of running. Um, and then a lot of strength training and I'm grateful and feeling very blessed and very happy that I have, you know, at the age of 37, I have a body stronger and leaner than I ever could have imagined. Um, and, that, and that's, that's a brief uh, <laughs> catch up of my life so far. Do you know what? Seeing your physique now, I find it hard to picture a chubby Brian, but I think you could probably put out some quite good before and after photos. <laughs> I will. If you want, I'll send you some photos from back in the day. And you can, yeah. I mean, look, look, I had a lot more hair, but also a lot more fat. Brilliant. What about yourself, James? Great. Well, I'm obviously from the UK. Um, I was born and bred in Wales and I grew up in Wales until I was 18 when I moved over across the border. Um, obviously coming from Wales, I've got rugby in my blood. Um, and that was what I did. And that was, pretty much my life purpose from a young age through to my early 30s was, was playing rugby. Um, I, I had a day job. I worked in financial services and investment banking quite shortly after university. Um, but outside that, I played rugby for London Welsh. And that was my life really was, a, was around training and traveling and playing on weekends. Um, we were in the championships. We were in a, in a national league traveling around the UK doing that. And it was, uh, you know, I had an amazing eight years playing for that team. Um, 
but again, I was quite injury prone. I was burning the candle at both ends and I was quite fatigued most of the time. Um, my attention span wasn't great. I had limited focus, um, but I thought that was normal and that was, that was, that was life. So just, just cracked on. Um, and then in my early thirties, I retired from rugby and took up triathlon. Um, I do like pushing physical boundaries. So anything to try and, you know, see what my limits are and triathlon just seemed quite a good fit at the time and quite quickly got into half Ironman triathlons and didn't quite break into the Ironman circuit. It was a bit too far for me to train for based on my lifestyle at the time, but I was able to represent Great Britain at the amateur world championships and um, quite shortly after that, um, again, it, just the training was too much and my, my levels of energy were depleting with a day job and all the training of you know, 20 plus hours training on top of that. Um, and I started looking for a way to just try and improve my energy levels and my health just because I just didn't feel that great. I had a few concussions during my rugby career as well. And just life was a bit foggy and felt like it was passing me by. And that really is what led me to discover you know, a better diet protocol. I, I was very dependent on carbohydrates and it was actually Dave Asprey's book, the better baby book. And then his bulletproof diet book that really opened my eyes to how your diet could control your body and your mind and really help performance. I thought I was doing everything right based on what I was told, but with that research and a bit of reading, and again, similar to Brian adopting that high fat, low carb, you know, moderate protein diet is a very ketogenic approach my health just just went from one level to the next. I just my performance just leaped up, and then introducing things like relic therapy again just took me to a whole new level of performance, and all my mental fog just disappeared. Wow! So more recently, as Brian's mentioned, I've become a father, which is the, sort of the biggest blessing I've ever had in my life. It's really given me a, a you know a massive purpose in my life to be the best father, the best father figure. And to give my daughter, you know, as many opportunities in life as possible. She's only three months old, but we're already talking about her being a tennis champion one day, and you know, making sure she's got you know every door open for her you know, as she grows up. Um, but it also comes with massive disruption to life, um, and th these challenges, especially around sleep and energy, have really allowed me to test some of the biohacks that we've talked about to see how how strong an impact they have on my, my on my life and on you know the biomarkers and on my sleep stats and things and so again it's been a it's been an amazing journey of really enhancing some of my routines and protocols and actually seeing that i might be getting four or five hours sleep a night and that's broken sleep as well but i'm still getting an hour of deep sleep and that's through these you know these strict protocols that we we have been following um also my wife and i we moved house um last year so i've been living in london for um close to 20 years but my wife is from the Midlands and we decided to move back to this area. So we bought a renovation project a couple of years ago and we moved into it six months ago. Um, and I don't like to call it the biohacker house, but we have got a number of specific <laughs> kind of design features that really make it quite, quite different to other houses. Um, quite simple things, but you know, a little preparation went into it and it just means we live in a much cleaner environment than the average, average person with less disruption on your circadian rhythm and also just your health overall. So we've made sure we've designed our house with lots of natural lights, lots of windows. Um, there's a really good um, sort of flow of air through the house as well. There's lots of windows to make sure we've got clean air to breathe. Um, we've installed a whole house water filtration system. So that means 99.999% of all toxic materials and chemicals are removed from the water. And that's not just drinking water, but shower water as well. Obviously, your skin is your biggest organ, so whatever you're showering in, you're going to absorb it as well. So we're showering and drinking clean water 24-7. And we've also hydrogen enriched that water for an extra um, sort of kick for our, you know, for our biology. What we've done as well is that we've wired internet into the house. So all our computers, you just plug into the wall, no need for Wi-Fi. Um, not only is it quicker and more reliable, but it just means you're not getting bombarded constantly with that Wi-Fi, which is, as we know, a massive disruption to cellular energy and being linked to a number of other health you know, diseases and problems. Um, so again, a really easy and smart thing to do is just get things wired. Um, I've also invested in an eco-router. So this router apparently sends out 10% 
of the signal of the average router and apparently the download speeds are the same but the biological impact has been reduced by 90 percent so again just a very easy investment if you need wired you know wireless technology get you know get one of these eco routers and again it just reduces the biological impact um also we've just trying to make sure that there's like clean light so we've got a lot of incandescent bulbs and i've got red light bulbs again um you know our target lights from red light rising i've got that in my office environment so anytime i'm on the computer we make sure that we've got you know red light in our environment for our eyes to absorb um, and also then i've invested in some home gym kits so um slightly matching me but i've called it the stronghold gym and basically nice. i've kitted it out with some olympic bar olympic weights and bumper weights squat rack bench some dumbbells and basically i was able to quit my gym membership um, in the current environment that's probably a good thing as well but it that's enables true. me to be very consistent with my training so you know with my daughter i don't get a lot of free time so even if i've only got a 15 minute window I know I can just literally nip into the garage. I can smash myself, do an intense workout, and keep my you know my health and fitness progressing in, in the right direction. But it's been a, it's been an amazing journey, you know, creating this house for for my wife and I, and we're we're on the path to creating the life we want. That sounds absolutely spectacular. Um, and the first question I have to you is, uh, can I come and rent a room? Your house sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've built enough bedrooms, so yeah, absolutely. Amazing, amazing. I mean, you touched on some very, very important things there, which um, I'm going to ask you uh, for the links to that so that we can put it in the show notes so people can find their way. I mean, you were talking about a, a water filter system. Do you know the name of that water filter system for our listeners? Yeah, it is. So I use a company called Aquatier. Again, I'll, I'll provide the link for it. Um, but again, I did my research and it was just a very cost effective, um, but they had, you know, it, it was one of, one of the cheaper options, amazingly, but their, um, their third party tested reports were one of the best. Um, I didn't want to introduce some of the uh, reverse osmosis systems just because that depletes the water, of all mineral content, and also nice. you lose the structuring of the water as well. Whereas with this unit, you, you don't have those negative aspects of it. Um, but you pretty much you get so close to the same quality as reverse osmosis. Um, it just made a, yeah, a, it made like a complete sense to, to go for it. Cool, cool. Okay, so we'll we'll leave some links to that. Uh, we're also going to leave the link to the the hydrogen water. We're definitely going to talk about molecular hydrogen in a future podcast. So we, we won't go crazy deep into that now. But um, are you, what hydrogen system are you using? So actually, Aquatier provide a hydrogen system within their filter tr filtration system as well. So that, that's obviously a, a win. But, um, but obviously, you know, hydrogen is such a small molecule that it escapes very easily. So I don't think we're getting a very high content of hydrogen in our drinking water. So I've actually partnered up with Trucy as well. And so I'm currently using one of their systems as well um, just to... Uh, just for, you know, I think for my morning drink and a, you know, a few points throughout the day, I'll make sure I go to the system and get a glass of hydrogen water as well. Oh, cool. And um, what does that hydrogen water taste like when it comes out of the Trucy machine? Um, you wouldn't notice any difference at all. Obviously, our water is like okay. fully clean. So if I go to someone else's house and I happen to accept a glass of tap water, um, it just sounds <laughs> a little bit snobby. But again, you know, I've noticed the difference when I drink clean water versus dirty water. But again, sure. you have that glass of tap water and it's, it, you can taste the, you know, the fluoride, you know, a bit of chlorine, the chemicals, you know, it's, some houses just taste metallic. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, just by drinking this filtered water, you know, hydrogen or not really, it just tastes so pure and so clear, so clean. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, I once remember hearing uh, a statistic. I don't remember if, I don't remember where I heard it or where I read it, but the statistic was this. The average drop of water in London has passed through seven people. I've heard the same thing, mate. Absolutely shocking. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's passed through seven people. And then, you know, it gets cleaned, it gets chlorinated, it gets put back into the system, and then you drink it on a, on a, cool, on a hot summer's day down a, a lovely glass of water that's been recycled seven times. Yeah, all the hormones and the drugs and, you know, everything that gets yeah. dumped into the water as well. And also things people are taking, just, you know, the filtration systems that the, the, the municipals implement just aren't good enough to remove it. So if you're no. not filtering your water, 
you're going to be getting these extra sort of, you know, estrogenic chemicals in some instance. And, and obviously that's just not good for anyone. Yeah. Um, are you still, you're not using a Berkey water filter anymore, are you? Nope. So when I was in London, yeah, that, that's what we had um, temporarily. Um, yeah, it, it did a job. Um, it's not the most user-friendly, I'd say. It's a bit large and, you know, bit, you know obtrusive. Um, but actually the Aquatier company have got an under-sink filter system as well. So I used Berkey for about a year um, when I was living in London and then quite quickly bought one of these under-sink filtrations and they last for one year and they're quite cheap and easy to use. And basically though, they, you just put them on the, the sink, you know, the, under the sink that you drink most from. And again, it just makes sure you get clean drinking water. It doesn't affect your, um, your shower water, unfortunately. But again, if you're in London or a rented flat or property, this is a great solution to make sure you're getting clean water at home. Yeah, cool. I mean, I, same as you, when I was in London, I had a, a Berkey water filter and it's, it's noticeable, man. Like I, yeah. you know, when you, when you drink the water out of that, it's so much softer. It's, to me, it like, it just felt silky in my mouth, you know? And like you say, like when, when yeah. I'd be at someone else's house and, and grab a, a glass of tap water, like you notice it straight away, man. It tastes different. It tastes harder. I think I'd actually rather go and you know be dehydrated than drink like dirty water. So I do I do try and pack bottles of you know like I take metal bottles with me wherever I go with of you know one or two liters of water just in case you know I'm out for a bit longer than planned. But yeah, I just I try and avoid tap water wherever I go. Yeah, awesome, hundred percent right. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Berkey water filters. We'll, we'll leave a, uh, I'll leave a link for that in the show notes as well. If anybody out there is interested in uh, checking out Berkey, it's um, as far as I can tell, it's, it's one of the go-to water filters in the biohacking community. Um, that, all that you've just said is incredible, man. And you've got such a, a massive wide knowledge of, of biohacking and health optimization. It's um, super valuable. And, and everything that you've touched on there, we'll, we'll definitely go into more detail in, in future episodes, especially that molecular hydrogen. Um, it sounds like super like, you know, science-y, like weird, but um, the, the evidence behind molecular hydrogen is absolutely astounding. Um, and it's, it's relatively easy to get into our bodies. Yeah, I think the research behind molecular hydrogen is almost as thorough and comprehensive as red light therapy, which which obviously is the most kind of researched and studied modality out there, I think. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And uh, we will, of course, get into red light therapy, uh, I'm sure, uh, on more than one occasion as we speak to different professionals and, and how they are using red light therapy to, to increase uh, their vitality. Um, I was thinking... Um, We've, we've got a, a little section that we want to go through and, and talk about some like standard features that we're going to try and bring to the podcast uh, for every episode. Um, do you want to go into uh, how we met and how we got Red Light Rising going or should we leave that for another time? What do you think? Do you know what? I think we could um, cover that in a couple of minutes. I think that'd be a good thing to touch on now. Um, so oh, yeah, as, lead the way. As I mentioned, you know, my journey to, to, to biohacking space started about three or four years ago. Um, and having read Dave Asprey's books, I was really looking for kind of a community to, to interact with, just to, you know, to, to bounce some ideas from, to learn from, and you know, just to share my experiences as well, because I couldn't believe the impact, you know, just a, a slight change in diets had on me. Um, and amazingly, we found, um, I, I found this, this, it was called the Bulletproof Biohacking Group at the time. It was a group that Tim Gray formed I think it was at the end of 2017. I went to their first ever meetup at the Shard. And obviously Brian was there as well. And it was basically only about 20 to 25 people at the time. Um, but again, everyone was on a similar sort of journey, either coming from a place where they had health problems and they're trying to remediate them using health protocols that were, you know, weren't really accepted in traditional medicine, but more in the holistic kind of space, but getting massive traction from, from implementing them or it was people just, just really keen to really become highly optimized. Um, and again, just be the best version of themselves. Um, and so at this meetup, um, a guy called Tony Wrighton was speaking at the time. He's a Sky Sports presenter, has a podcast as well. Um, and he's just a really knowledgeable guy in the biohacking space. And he was talking and he brought along a, a red light panel. Um, and it's very eye-catching. These things are very bright. And I was just, just looking at it and he started talking about the benefits. I was like, God, this, this thing sounds like too good to be true. 
Um, and obviously at the time, you know, we, we had some interaction with across the group and we discussed it and I got to use it at the time as well. And straight away, I just felt a little bit energized, a little bit more switched on. Um, and again, I just thought this, this thing, this, this is amazing. Um, and obviously very fortunate. I got to meet Brian um, at the time and we got chatting, got on exceptionally well. We're both very passionate about our health and just the same sort of interest. And again, there was a, an instant click between us, I think. Um, and afterwards, I, after the meetup, I started looking into these, this, this red light therapy and you know, reading about the benefits. I was like, Jesus, this thing is the magic pill. It literally is the most powerful modality I've ever read about. Um, I just thought, right, I, need, I just need to get my hands on one. <laughs> and so looking into it, there weren't really many UK companies that were you know, offering, you know, offering red light therapy panels, if any, I could find. There was only one American company at the time, and it was just insanely expensive. Um, so again, I, I spoke to Brian and said, mate, you know, I, I know you'll be interested in this as well, but you know, how about we, we look into it together, design our own panel, find a supplier and get them to make it for us. And like, uh, you know, straight away you were on board. I mean, this is, you know, we both knew this could be a game changer for our own personal health. And quite quickly, we got these panels in our hands and we gave them to a couple of friends as well to test and everyone fed back, Jesus Christ, this thing is you know, this is next level stuff for, for health and performance and well-being. Um, and given the difficulty we found in trying to like source a panel, I was like, right, we need to bring this to the UK. There's, too, there's so many people that can benefit from this. And really, you know, literally, I think it took us a matter of a few weeks, three or four weeks. We were up and running. We, you know, Red Light Rising was formed. And it was just been, it was just, you know, things happened so quickly just because, there was no, you know, there's no one supplying relic therapy devices, you know, accessibly to the UK market. And so, yeah, I'm just feel very blessed not only to have met you, to have discovered relic therapy with you and to, to be able to bring this to the UK market together. Exactly, man. I mean, that's, that's such a beautiful story. And, and I'm also so glad to have been part of it, you know. Um, and, I, and I was the same as you. Like you say, we, you know, we, we met at that, what was it called? The Bulletproof Biohackers Meetup. Um, started by Tim Gray, of course, who's now running the um, the Health Optimization Summit, which is huge, massive, massive event. And, um, you know, I'd actually been, same as you, exactly the same journey as you almost. You know, I've been reading Dave Asprey, and, you know, he talks a lot about red light therapy. And then I, I started reading other blogs and, you know, seeing this American company and how they were, you know, promoting it. And I was, you know, like scientifically, intellectually, I was convinced. Um, before I came to that meetup and then I saw you know that red light panel at the meetup and I, I was like oh. and just like you I felt this intense like energy sitting in front of this light this this gentle warmth and you know I, I felt slightly more energized afterwards I, sl I felt like a little bit you know I felt like I was thinking quicker and thinking clearer um, and then yeah I went away and I was you know I had my money ready to buy a, a light panel and then I saw the price and I was just like oh my god you know, like as convinced as I am, like, um, I'm just not ready to spend that amount of money. And then, you know, fast forward, like once we, once we had our own lights made and I started using the lights, I remember the day clearly, you know, I was still living in London at the time. It was the middle of winter. It was like early or, or mid December. I was really in a bad place, man. I'd, I'd, I'd suffered some, you know, serious personal things. My mother had a stroke, a, a woman I thought I was going to marry had left. And um, I was just like so depressed, man. I really wasn't having a good time. Uh, the, the gray weather in London. And, and I started using this red light. And within, I don't know, maybe five days, I found myself walking down the street in London on a cold winter's morning without a jacket on. Like for some reason, I wasn't cold that day. And I was whistling and I was like clicking my fingers walking along the road. Yeah. And I'd been depressed for months, dude, months. And I, I suddenly realized, my God, I feel amazing. I'm in such a good mood. At the time, I was doing a job that I didn't like. I used to be a carpenter. So I was having a terrible time in my career, desperate to change my career, um, and uh, very, very depressed in London in winter. And I remember walking down the road, and I just felt amazing. And that's when I was like, oh my God, because, you know, one of the benefits of red light therapy is that it, it helps balance the hormones and improves mood and can alleviate symptoms of depression. And I had felt it. I felt incredible. 
And uh, that's when I started focusing on my, my, my body parts, my joints, my muscles, you know, trying to get all the other benefits they talk about. And I've I absolutely fell in love with it since then. And of course, I mean, you know, I use red light therapy every single day without fail. I love it. So what's your favorite benefits of red light therapy? Is it the one you just mentioned or is there something else that, that stands out? Well, look, you know, I mean, at the time when I was depressed, that, that was my favorite benefit, you know, because, you know, I didn't, I didn't take any pills. I didn't, I didn't see anybody. I was just in a damn bad place in my mind, you know. Um, so at the time, like the, the mood enhancing was incredible. Um, but because, I mean, that was like over two years ago now. And now, you know, I, I mean, I'm a completely different person now, you know, I don't need um, you know, mood enhancement anymore. I'm, I'm absolutely pumped every day to, to get on with, with what I have to get on with. So my favorite benefit right now is the, the muscle stuff, the muscle performance. Because I've got my health back and, you know, I don't have these joints that feel like the joints of a, you know, arthritic 80-year-old, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely pumped to be able to work out again. So, I'm, you know, I almost had to relearn squatting. I had to relearn deadlifts. I had to, you know, get back onto the pull-up bar. I had to, you know, turn my body back into a, um, you know, a muscular physique with, with all the energy and, and all the systems that are involved with that. So, you know, once, once I got that health back, I, I, I used to do experiments where I would do like, like 200 squats, just squat as heavy as I could for as long as I could to really try and blast my quads. And then I would use the red light therapy to see if it could keep the delayed onset of muscle soreness away. And it did. So, you know, my, my, favorite, my favorite way to use red light therapy is, is performance and recovery right now, 100%. But, I mean, if I, if I sprain an ankle or I hurt a knee on a mountain run or whatever, then I focus the light on my knee to speed up the healing and to, and to decrease the inflammation of my knee. Amazing. I think that's such a good point that, you know, when you've got compromised health, it's just, the, you just want the simple things back. You don't want achy joints. You don't want to feel you know, depressed or affected by the you know, SAD. You know, when, when, you, when, you're, when you're not in optimal health, it's just, you just want the simple things. I think red light therapy can give you that. It can really get you back to a really stable footing, you know, a place where you are able then to think about you know, bigger goals, you know, better achievements. And I think I was similar in that I had serious mind fog after concussions and probably not a great diet for a number of years playing rugby. Um, and I just wanted to feel energized and be able to think straight. And again, using relic therapy, there's a number of scientific research papers demonstrating the efficacy of it to help cognitive decline. And straight away, within a few days, you know, I felt like a light bulb went back on. And then within a few weeks, I could not believe the mental acuity I was experiencing. And I think coming from that compromised health position, that was, you know, that's my favorite benefit without a doubt. But now I'm in a good place. I'm so set the same as you. I'm like, right, I want to smash myself in the gym. I still want to do the same thing tomorrow and feel like ready for it and feel good. And right now, that's, that's what red light therapy is doing for me day in, day out. And I, I can't believe it. And I, I, I'm actually going to turn 40 next year, if you, you know, amazingly. And again, I'm, I'm training oh harder. I'm pushing the same, you know, bigger and better stats than I was in my latter 20s. And it's, um, you know, I'm not putting it all down to red light therapy. But without a doubt, it's one of the biggest kind of impacts on my life at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's, I love hearing that story as well, you know, especially with the concussion stuff. Um, you know, I, never, I don't know as much about concussion as you. I'm, I'm very lucky to have suffered, you know, almost nothing. I never played, played professional sports like you. I, you know, I stopped playing rugby, um, you know, when I was about 16. You know, when, when the hit started getting really, really hard in high school, I was like, yeah, you know what? You know, I just don't feel like getting, getting splattered in a rugby match. But that's, that's something, that, again, that, that people don't really realize the importance of, you know, looking after your brain and your brain health. You know, it's, it's, it breaks my heart when, when we see family men, members and like, you know, friends of family in their, in their 60s, 70s and 80s, and they start to lose their mind to, you know, to some kind of dementia. And it's, you know, it's, it's super, super sad because we know that, you know, with certain diets, with certain lifestyles, with certain kinds of strength training and with things like red light therapy and cold therapy, like you can actually protect your brain. That's what's, you know, so exciting about red light therapy and strength training and, and fasting and diet. Like it, it goes a long way to protecting your brain. 
And when you're young, like I understand, like you don't give a shit, man. You just want nice biceps. You want to have a good haircut. You want to be, have some cool friends and you don't care about your brain. But you know, when you get into your, you know, let's just say late thirties, when, when those things start coming on the radar, you know, it's, it sucks to think that, you know, you might've, you know, battered your head so much when you were a youngster and um, you know, you might be on your way to, to cognitive decline. So uh, it's a very important topic. I'm glad you've brought it up and, and we're definitely going to move, move towards that on, on future episodes and, and talk about ways that people can optimize their brain function. Um, I think, I think that's it. Um, something else we want to talk about uh, is uh, some features. You know, I think it's, we don't want to be all like hardcore heavy science uh, on the Project Red podcast. So James and I have been talking amongst ourselves for the last week or two about some features um, that we're going to get into. And, and what we're going to do, I think, is we're going to ask listeners right now, um, we'll send out an email or you can, you can get hold of us on any of the social media and let us know what you think about uh, the following features, you know. So um, I know, for example, we're obviously going to have some, uh, some, some product giveaways uh, in, in the future. We'll give away some of our own products, of course. We'll, we'll give away some products of, of friends. You know, we have friends now that have some incredible health optimization companies as well. So we'll definitely do some giveaways there. Um, I don't even think that needs a vote. Everybody loves a giveaway. So we'll definitely stick to that. Um, what about book reviews, James? What do you, what do you think about us doing book reviews or asking our guests for book reviews? Yeah, I, I think that's a really important topic because there's such, there's so many great books out there and so many books that can, can literally change your life. So I think we should definitely, um, have one-off book reviews for anything that we feel we've connected really strongly with. Um, but also for our guests, I would love to know what's the most impactful book that they've read. And, you know, that would be a great list to compile and share with our listeners. Okay, cool. So um, that's a great idea. I think we'll stick to the book reviews. Um, even if people protest, tough luck. We're doing book reviews. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what else do you think we can uh, do in this little feature? Well, we were talking about doing a quick fire rounds to end every podcast. Just some interesting quite quick fire questions just to really kind of get a good summary and a good feel for the guests that we're having on the podcast we can kind of capture their favorite habits or gadgets, obviously their book as well. And maybe like a key lesson learns that maybe they would like to have told themselves 10 years earlier. Um, just some really impactful short, you know, sentences that our listeners can really listen and implement into their lives as well. Okay, cool. That sounds great. So we're going to do a, a quick fire round. Let's say like a favorite habit, a favorite gadget, favorite book, favorite lesson learned. Like it, um, yeah. That sounds really cool. That sounds really cool. Okay. Um, also, something that I was thinking about doing um, is I read I read the Daily Stoic book, which is a, a, a phenomenal book by Ryan Holiday and uh, Stephen Hanselman. And this book is, you know, it's got it's one page a day basically. So, you know, we're recording this podcast on on the thirtieth of April. So I could turn to the, the 30th of April uh, and there's a little passage to read there, a little thought provoking passage. Um, and I thought it might be kind of cool to, I don't know, start the podcast with us or end the podcast with us. Um, I don't know. Should I, should I read today's, today's page? Um, and then you can say whether you think it should be better in the beginning or at the end of the podcast. Yeah, How about go that? For it. that sounds good. All right. Well, well, today is April the 30th. This is a reading from the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday and Stephen, I just want to get his name right, Hanselman, and it is entitled, What is in keeping with your character? Just as what is considered rational or irrational differs for each person in the same way what is good or evil and useful or useless differs for each person. This is why we need education so that we might learn how to adjust our preconceived notions of the rational and irrational in harmony with nature. In sorting this out, we don't simply rely on our estimate of the value of external things, but also apply the rule of what is in keeping with one's character. So that's actually a, a paragraph written by Epictetus. 
out of his discourses. So what, what actually happens with, I should explain, is that, that with each of these pages, there's a, there's a, a caption from you know, an, an ancient Stoic, whether it's Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, um, Seneca, uh, there's a few others. There's, there's a paragraph like that, and then Ryan Holiday actually simplifies it in, in another short paragraph. So I'll read Ryan Holiday's kind of simple paragraph after that, and it goes like this. It is easy to get wrapped up in our own opinions of things. It's as if we're adhering to invisible scripts, following instructions or patterns we don't even understand. The more you question these scripts and the more you subject them to the rigorous test of your education, the more you'll be your own compass. You'll have convictions and thoughts that are your own and belong to no one else. Character is a powerful defense in a world that would love you to be able to would love to be able to seduce you, buy you, tempt you, and change you. If you know what you believe and why you believe it, you'll avoid poisonous relationships, toxic jobs, fair weather friends, and any number of ills that afflict afflict people who haven't thought through their deepest concerns. That's your education. That's why you do this work. So powerful, mate. I love that. Um, big fan of Ryan Holiday yeah. and his work. I think that quote, Connor, for me, from what you said, is about staying true to yourself, isn't it? And your character and not deviating from that. There's so many pressures in the, in the world at the moment. Um, you can come from so many angles, but stay true to who you are. And it's also important to have like an individualized approach, especially in health, you know, not one size fits everyone, which is kind of the traditional medical route. Um, but to understand your own DNA, your own biology, and make the right choices for you at the end of the day. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, that, that speaks to my experience as a vegetarian. And, you know, when I was, when I was deeply indoctrinated in, in what everybody told me about how good vegetables and vegetarianism was for me, but my own experience was telling me something else. But I didn't make that connection. Um, so yeah, for me, that, that little, that passage there is just like, you know, whatever, whatever you hear, whatever you read, whatever you come across, whatever anyone tells you, is that your experience? If you were to Google it, would you find the same answers? If you were to try it out, would you find the same results? Um, and you know, that actually ties in perfect with biohacking, you know, it's, it's trying something out, seeing what the results are, changing slightly, seeing what the results are, and then, and then picking the, um, you know, the best path for you. Absolutely. And then I think... Well, carry on, mate. Sorry. I was going to say, I think our final standard feature, we mentioned giveaways, but I think we were going to say um, we'd choose our favorite review each podcast and that person would also get a gift. We've got a number of gifts we can give ranging from target lights to t-shirts. We've got stickers and we've got a new hard carry case for our half stack coming out. So we've got a number of great gifts we want to start giving out to people. So I think quite a cool thing to be to do would be to choose our favorites kind of honest review and um, let that person have a, have a good rising gift. So by honest, you don't, you don't necessarily mean five stars. You mean just honest. It could be, it could be <laughs> constructive. It could be constructive criticism. It could be a little bit rude. I think it, a little bit I angry. Think it connects on a positive level with myself and it doesn't insult me too deeply. I think we okay. can go with it. <laughs> Okay, cool. So as long as it's uh, as long as it makes you feel good, then uh, then you're the winner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's great. So so we'll just we'll just kick off then right now. Um, how are we gonna how are we gonna run that actually? I mean, we would love to get. Ah, oh, I mean, yeah. They don't they don't review each episode. They review the podcast as a whole exactly. So um, uh, tell you what, we'll um, should we should we say we'll draw a winner two months from now? How about that? Yeah, that sounds good. I, I think we should make it, well, well, we can ask the general public what they think, but I think we should make it quite a regular thing, potentially, you know, every other week or every month we choose, you know, our favorite review from that period. Um, and uh, yeah, on top of the additional giveaways that we do periodically. That's actually a great idea because um, this is obviously our first episode and I'm not 100% when, when, I'm not 100% sure when this episode is going to come out. So um, our, our giveaway, our prize winner will be picked, um, you know, a certain amount of time from when the episode actually comes out. But yeah, if you could uh, head to your favorite uh, podcast platform, wherever you listen to your podcast, 
um, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, all the others. Uh, leave us a review and obviously we'll see that review. And if it's not too scathing and too damaging, uh, you might be the winner of uh, some prizes which have yet to be finalized, but they will be cool. 100% guaranteed. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay, Mr. James Strong, I think that uh, is a wrap for the first episode. Is there anything else you'd uh, like to say before we sign off? Um, I think that's, that's me done, but mate, absolute pleasure. Thank you for you know, pulling this all together and um, looking forward to many more with you. 100%. Thank you so much, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening, everybody. Goodbye.